All right, thank you. I appreciate that ensemble. I tell you what, and had a cross there of, of ages, you know. I mean, you had the younger to the older. And <clears throat> the diapers to depends. And so I, you know, I, but, uh, but they're good. They're very good. I appreciate that so very much. Our text is Nahum chapter 3. Nahum chapter 3. And verses 8 through 10 on a sermon I've titled, Oh No. The story is told of a lady that just had her 35th birthday. And she's looking in the mirror. And there is a gray hair right there. Just one just seemed to pop up overnight. And boy, she is greatly distressed. She calls for her husband. She says, honey, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. Look at my forehead. Look at my forehead. Just look. What do you see? He said, oh, honey, settle down. That wrinkle's not that long. <laughs> um, this week is Valentine's Day, so I'm just trying to help you guys out. Say, so, you know, there are some things you don't say. And when that question gets asked, you don't point anything out. Okay. And you just say, oh, no, honey, you look great. You look great. And then you come forward and get right with God afterwards. Um, Okay, Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 is our text in a sermon I've titled, Oh No. Nahum, okay. <laughs> Nahum, that's right. I was just testing you. Never admit you're wrong. Just say, you know. Okay, Nahum chapter 3 in verses 8 through 10. Art thou better than populous know that was situate among the rivers that had the waters round about it, whose rampart was the sea, and her wall was from the sea. Ethiopia and Egypt were her strength, and it was impotent. Put and Lubim were thy helpers. Yet she was carried away, she went into captivity. Her young children also were dashed in pieces at the top of all the streets. And they cast their lots for her honorable men. And all her great men were bound in chains. Now shall we pray. Father, as we look at this passage today, Lord, as we continue in this study, I pray, Father, that we'd see that it is relevant for today. You'd help me to rightly divide your word. And I pray you'd help me to speak your truth in love in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. When we hear somebody say, oh, no, you just got to look. You just have to look, you know, you see what, what, is, what is it, because you assume it's going to be bad. A lady bakes her cake for the auction. It's just about finished. The husband walks in and slams the door just as he normally would, and the cake falls. She's in tears, and she says, oh, no. The husband finds out what happens, and he looks at the doghouse, and he too says, oh, no. <laughs> Maybe it's a teenager. She's been given permission to go out on her first date. <laughs> yeah, you already know no, huh? <laughs> and, and, and he sees what drives up, 
And then dad watches as that wretch walks towards the door. He meets him at the front door and he says, hey, so nice to meet you and, and get to know who you are. I can't wait to see where you're taking my daughter and me. Or she says something like, he says something like this, all right, I'm a fundamentalist. Where are you going to be at 8 o'clock? And I want to know the place and the telephone number. What about 8.30? What about 9? 9.30. At 10 o'clock, I know where you're going to be unless you want this to be the last day of your life on earth. Okay. Now, that young guy's thinking, oh, no. Oh, no. How did I get out of this? All right. Now, I'm, I'm saying all that. We all have, oh, no, and that was a little bit humorous, but we had those, oh, no, uh, things that happened in our life. Nineveh is about to be destroyed. God is giving her one more chance. And so he makes a final effort. You might say God's final call for Nineveh because she had been saved 150 years earlier at the preaching of Jonah. So she has an opportunity at this point to uh, maybe this one more time. And so the Lord uh, gives them an example of a place that was called No. That was the name of it. No, that's a strange name, but uh, it was no. And God's going to use the example of no to try to help Nineveh understand what is about to happen. No was destroyed 50 years earlier. It's like us today. We could go back about 50 years and realize there was a Vietnam going on, okay? And so we could say we need to learn from that, all right? And so that's what the Lord's trying to help these people. Look. Fifty years ago, look what happened to populous No. No, uh, boy, I tell you, she had uh, everything that uh, she could ask for. She looked like it would be impossible to destroy her. But just like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3, it says, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then cometh sudden destruction upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. So I want you to see this morning three things about popular snow, three things I want you to see in these verses. First, see, no habitat is safe. And that's in verse 8. Look at it again. Are thou better than populous snow that was situated among the rivers, that had the waters round about it, whose rampart was the sea, and her wall was from the sea? The eyes of man looked at this place called No, and it seemed very secure. I mean, it just seemed like it was really totally secure, as it would in uh, Nineveh. No was located there in Egypt, right on the ocean. And so she had a barrier there that the armies couldn't really get into. As a matter of fact, there's a river going around it, too, that flowed into the ocean. She had these great walls that were built and, and, and a well-skilled army, plenty of armament. And people just said, no is impregnable. We, we, we can't get in there and uh, it seems to be very safe. So the only way they're going to be defeated is if they all leave the city and we catch them unaware. And yet it was destroyed, even though it seemed very safe. And Nineveh seems very safe. And God is warning them, they're going to be destroyed. Populous no. 
That, that term populist know has the idea of an artificer. And basically what that means is that they were a very educated and they were a very well-skilled people. They had a well-skilled army. And they think they're at a point now that they are too big to fall. They're too great to fall. They think that their habitat is safe because of all the work and preparations of their hands and of their minds working together. But I want to warn you today, science will never outdo God. Man's inventions will never conquer God. He is the one who commands the winds and the waves. He's the one that set the course of the stars. He's the one who has established the bounds of the oceans and the rivers. He is God. He is the creator God. As one theologian said many years ago, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? The all-knowing has always known. And, and he was the creator God who made it all. He spoke the worlds into existence, Psalms 33 tells us. And he can put down in an attosecond people, cities, nations who suppose they can oppose him, successfully oppose him, and they can There is no habitat that is safe protection from God when once his hand begins to move in judgment. There is no way an individual city or nation will be able to stop him. I'm reminded of the most powerful king that basically by the amount of power or authority, should we say, that he had was probably the most powerful king of all time, and that was the man Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel, one of the captives from Israel, was in his court serving him. But Daniel had a message from God, and he warns Nebuchadnezzar. He says, you need to repent, get your heart right. And and he says, if you don't, God's going to put you out into the fields for about seven years. You're going to eat straw like an animal and everything else. And he says... I really want you to repent. Nebuchadnezzar had that dream. He didn't know what the dream was about. So Sam, uh, excuse me, Daniel had to tell him what it was about. After telling him what was going to happen, and he says, repent, repent. That's, that way you won't have to do this. But he does it. And about a year later, he's walking in his palace and he says, look at this great Babylon, the seven hanging gardens, the wonder of the world. Boy, nothing's been like this before. Look at the great Babylon that I have built. And within an hour, he was changed into a, a human that was so mad that he imagined himself a creature. And he was out eating grass like the animals, the cows and the sheep would eat. And he stayed that way for seven years. They, they had just to feed him out there. They could not really communicate with him. And they just had to watch him. And that's the way he was for seven years. Daniel chapter 9 verses 34 through, uh, excuse me, chapter 4 verses 34 through 37 tells what happens though. As a matter of fact, these are Nebuchadnezzar's own words. Because God then 
brings them back. And he says there, And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride he is able to abase. See, Nebuchadnezzar, a Gentile, is allowed to write this portion of Scripture. As a matter of fact, those words are actually supposed to be in Arabic when he wrote them. And, and it's interesting because he, he testifies by his experience of what led him to see that the omniscient, the all the all-knowing, the all-powerful God controls it all. And when this generation passes away, another generation comes up, he'll still be God, he'll still be in the same place, and he's still coming again. And only he can save the soul. What he had to go through to learn that. What Nebuchadnezzar had to go through to learn that. And what a good man Daniel would be to care for his soul. No one is secure away from God when they're plugged into this world system and its religion and its ways. Nineveh is not any better than populace no. There is no rampart. There is no future. There is no defense. There is no military superiority. There is no unpenetrable defense when once God's hand begins to move in judgment. The fathers of Nineveh had wisdom 150 years early to, earlier to repent at the preaching of Jonah. Here they're being warned. They said, Don't forget, no, what happened? It is as secure, if not more secure than you. But now God's beginning to move. And when he moves, Nineveh will be completely leveled. There'll be no stopping of God's hand once he begins to move. It's too late. Especially for those who have been warned as Nineveh. I've read in the paper of people when they die and so forth like that and Every once in a while, I'll read one and they'll say, you know, about the good person they were and all that. But it was somebody I've witnessed to. 
They witnessed to him more than once, and then you see that they're dead, and they never received Christ. All you can do is hope that they did receive Christ. Somebody else led them there. But if they didn't receive Christ, they're in a judgment one second after that spirit left their body. They're in a judgment they'll never escape. Never. Never. They're forever. Oh, we have to have a compassion for the souls of lost men. So again, she'll be leveled. And it'll be too late once God begins to move because she's been warned. The Bible lets us know in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, that there'll be those at the rapture who will be left behind that didn't get saved, but they heard the gospel. They had a chance to get saved. They could have received Christ as their Savior, and they held the truth in unrighteousness, the Bible says. And the Bible says that God will allow strong delusion to come to them, that they will believe the lies of the Antichrist, and they won't be able to get saved. That's why the Bible lets us know, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to receive him. Don't play Russian roulette with your soul. In the 1800s, archaeologists discovered the area where Nineveh is located. It's over a hundred years later now. Now, it had been. I mean, you think about it. It was almost 2,000 years before they discovered it. Now, it's been about a hundred years since they discovered where Nineveh was, and they still haven't found all the city. When God does a job, He does it completely. Whether it's in salvation or whether it's in destruction. It'll be a complete job. That's why you need to receive Christ as your Savior. Without Christ, your eternal habitat will be a lake of fire. And one second after death, it'll be too late to repent. But not only do we have no habitat is safe from God, but secondly, there is no help against God. No help against God is sufficient. In verse 9 of our text, Ethiopia and Egypt were her strength, and it was infinite. You see, Ethiopia and Egypt were pretty strong at that time. And put in Lubum were their helpers, were thy helpers. No is surrounded by all these great fortifications. No one believed that they can be penetrated. They cannot be defeated at home. But keep in mind in Luke 137, where an angel tells Mary that she's going to be the mother of the Jesus, the Messiah, the God come in the flesh. And the angel gives her God's word. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. 
with God, nothing shall be impossible. There is no device that man can put together against God and expect to be victorious. The plight of Nineveh and no is the plight of all who depend on the arm of flesh, be it weaponry, education, religion, or some other skill that man thinks that he possesses. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, we read this, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord. You decide, I'm going to do it my way instead of God's way. God will curse you. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 30, There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel, Against the Lord. There's no counsel that will ever stand. Your case will not be different. You don't do God's will, God's way, and you don't follow His way of salvation, your, your way is not going to be different. You can't blame other people. You can't blame family. You can't blame friends. You will give an account of yourself to God. And without Jesus Christ to stand in for you, that spells trouble. Noah had help from Egypt, Ethiopia, Put, and Lubum. But as those in the tribulation find out, there is no help that is sufficient against the Lord. Egypt had the, I mean, Noah had the best help of that day that she could have. And she was still soundly defeated. There's a day coming in the tribulation period. That's after the saved are gathered up to be with the Lord. Caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. And as they're caught up, people are left behind. They're looking for something. And those people of the tribulation who still want to do things their own way will find out the same thing. In Revelation 13, verses 4, uh, 4 through 6, it says this. They worship the dragon, the dragon of Satan, by the way, which gave power, that is, authority, unto the beast, that is, the world leader, the Antichrist. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is likened to the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him, that is unto the beast, a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given to him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. And then to dwell in heaven. And the Antichrist stands up in front of all the world and he blasphemes God. He blasphemes, they, they know they're in heaven. He blasphemes them, challenges God and nothing happens at that moment. Just because it doesn't happen that moment doesn't mean it's not going to happen. That's chapter 13. But three and a half years later, in chapter 19, and, and, and the verses 19 through 21, Jesus Christ is coming back. The armies of heaven are behind him. He's on that white horse in the sky. The clouds have rolled back as a scroll, and all the world can see him. And we read, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. 
and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled, and that idea filled as they were gorged with their flesh. May I add, oh no, that day is sure to come. Are you ready? Don't, don't, don't go away without Jesus. So there's no habitat that is safe. There's no help that is sufficient against God. And finally, there's no help. There's no hope, should I say, without the Savior. Look at verse 10. Yet she was carried away. She went to captivity. Her young children were dashed in pieces at the top of all the streets. And they cast lots for her honorable men. And all her great men were bound in chains. Although they had that help there in, in the place called No. They had the help of the army. They had the great location. They had armaments. They were no match. Against God in Psalms chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 will point that out as well in that day that comes. And no is carried away against her will. They're deported into another country. It's not theirs. They're making slaves out of the upper echelon of society. No, no longer has a home. It's leveled. Nothing to call their own. But not only that, young children are dashed in pieces at the top of all the streets. That is, in front of their parents. And they can see it. And they watch your children being put to death in a terrible way. Kind of like we do with abortion in America. I must point out that some of these that are put to death are actually late teens and soldiers of lower rank. They were publicly executed. Kind of like ISIS when they got children and beheaded them in front of their parents. burnt human beings in living human beings in a cage in fire crucified others to mock their religion but that's war that happened to know and it's going to happen to Nineveh and it did they cast lots for the honorable men <clears throat> and that is men of honor and prestige. And they're made slaves. They're degraded. They're mocked. They're shamed as they're carried away in chains. Now they'll be mere 
slaves at best. But my friend, that happens to them. But just think, the bitter end of no and the prophesied end of Nineveh. Kind of remind us of the day when Christ comes back. And people have had the opportunity to repent and get right with God, and they didn't do that, and they won't do that. And they have, <clears throat> excuse me, they have this opportunity to do so. And so many have used the excuse, oh, I don't like church because there are hypocrites there. So you're not going to go and set an hour or two with hypocrites, but you're going to go to hell with them forever? At least makes sense when you say something. Well, if they're going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. No, you only go through Jesus Christ, not if someone else goes. The devil will be chained for a thousand years. How, how would you like his uh, company? He's loose for a little bit, and then he's thrown in there in the lake of fire forever. That's your company. All the demons of hell will be your company. The Adolf Hitlers will be your company. The Ted Bundys will be your company. And they'll be suffering there as much as you, if not worse. My friend, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 1, He that be not reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. We're warned of hell just like they were warned in No and they were warned in Nineveh. We are today warned of hell. Are we going to learn from it? Revelation 20, 14 and 15, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In Revelation chapter 14, verses uh, 10 and 11 says, And the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and they have no rest day or night. Now my friend, I want to say this. These people were warned in the scripture. They didn't repent. They've been there over 2,000 years now, still in hell, still not able to cease to exist, still not able to escape. 2,000 years from now, that'll still be the case. Does that give God joy to do that? No. People that go to hell go to hell over the broken heart of Jesus Christ. So we read in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all of us need a Savior. Every one of us, preacher included, needs a Savior. 
For the wages of sin is death, final, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire, where your spirit will never cease to exist. But the gift. I've earned wages, but the gift is greater than the wages. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because we find out that he says, in while we were yet sinners. God commendeth his love toward us. It's love, you see. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid our penalty. Three days later, he rose up bodily from the grave that he might ensure everlasting life to all who will receive him. Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ today and he'll save you because he'd have to lie not to. And the Bible tells us clearly, God does not lie. If you'll come to him, he'll save you. He loves you. He wants to save you. But you must come to him. Now, you also need to understand this. If you are saved, will it be your family? Will it be your friends? Will it be the people you were in sin with before your salvation? And you've not tried to reach them with the gospel. You see, we're saved, but some will be ashamed at his appearing. Saved so as by fire. I believe Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready to meet God? Let's bow our heads, please.